Welcome to Equipped, part of the services of First Presbyterian Church of West Memphis, Arkansas, where we equip the saints for the work of ministry. I'm your host, Joshua Stark, and we feature the messages of our pastor, David Dobbs. And now, let's get into this week's message. Today we're looking at 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. And today we're going to see David in another conflict. But this time, it's not David in a conflict with Saul. This time, David is in a conflict with a man named Nabal. David and his 600 men have um, now fled to Carmel. And one of the ways David and his men survive, you know, they don't have jobs now. They fled from their cities. And one of the ways they survive is by... They've been providing security for all the local farmers. Wherever they go, they kind of have become like a security detail for the local farmers. They watch over the farmers. The, they watch over their shepherds. They guard their flocks from the desert marauders. It was dangerous back then to have a farmer. You know, the shepherds were going to the fields and marauders would come and raid their flocks and raid their farms. So David's men will watch these farms and the farmers will pay them and give them food. And so that's how David survives. Well, today, David and his men are watching over uh, um, these shepherds who belong to a man named Nabal. And verse 1 tells us Nabal has 300 sheep and 1,000 goats. He's a very wealthy man. And we're going to learn today, Nabal is not just a wealthy man, he's also a very prideful man. He's a greedy and selfish man. He refuses to give David and his men any food. As a matter of fact, he accuses David and his men of being rogue soldiers you know, who've broken away from Saul's army. And he, he basically accuses them of being outlaws and thieves. And so now, um, Nabal is facing the wrath of David and his, and his 600 men. And we're going to learn today, as we look at this conflict between Nabal and David, we're going to learn the serious consequences of our sins. And we're going to end the beautiful gospel blessing that we can end. We're going to learn about the beautiful gospel blessing that comes through our, uh, that come in a strange way. It comes through, oftentimes, we're going to see it comes through the women God has put around us and our wives. I want to see something special about Nabal's wife, Abigail. Okay? Today, we're going to be reading 1 Samuel 25. And because this chapter is so long, we're going to be reading just snippets from verses 9 through 35. And Josh is going to be reading that for us. Josh? As Pastor David said, we're going to be skipping around a lot. I'll try to call out the verse numbers as we skip. So, Starting in verse 9, When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? Verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. And we did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us both day, both by night and by day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. 
Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house, and he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five sayas of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Down to verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving, your, from saving with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now, let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Down to verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent to you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt, and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had, been none, there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. Thank you, Josh. Let's pray. Oh, Father. Father, what a powerful picture of your wrath um, we see today. Father, reading all these Old Testament stories, um, Father, they can be very scary, Father, but they are these stories, Father, are to remind us of the consequences of sin, Father. And I pray, Father, that you will... Um, Father, help us to have a healthy fear of our sin, Father, and to run to the right place, the place that Abigail is pointing us, Father, to Christ. The only thing that can save us from our sins, Father, and I pray, Father, that you'll help us communicate this gospel just as Abigail did in the way we live our daily lives. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Alright, first I want you to see Nabal's pride here. Look, at verse, look again at verse 10. It says here, and Nabal answered David's servant. So remember what's going on here. David has been watching over Nabal's flocks. He has been, he's not just doing this for money. He really, everywhere David goes, he's watching out for the people around him. Unlike Saul, Saul's only coming down to come after David. But David really cares for everybody. When the last city he's in, when the Philistines came out, he comes out to save these guys. That's who David is. He has a heart after God. He really cares for Nabal. He's watching after Nabal's shepherds and his flocks. And so, and so here's how Nabal responds. And Nabal answered David's servants. Who is David 
Who is and who is this? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Can you see Nabal's pride here? Nabal is looking down pridefully at David, David, and judging David. He says here, "Who is David? And who is Jesse?" Nabal is accusing, basically accusing David of being a nobody. <laughs> He's saying like. Who are you? You're not somebody important. Get out of here. Kind of like a homeless beggar coming up to him. He also accuses David of, and his soldiers of being rogue soldiers who basically, he said there's lots of soldiers who are breaking away from Saul's army. He's accusing David's soldiers of just being rogue outlaws who are basically out to you know, steal from him. So, um, Nabal doesn't even try, and here's the sad thing, Nabal doesn't even try to verify David's story with his servants. David's servants, soldiers said, check with your servants, ask them. But Nabal is so prideful, he thinks he understands the situation so well, he doesn't even consult them to verify. Nabal is a prideful, arrogant, know-it-all. Anybody know people like that? I don't sometimes people like that. He thinks he understands exactly who David is, and he thinks he understands exactly what's going on. He's overconfident in himself, and he's overconfident in his wisdom, and he's dead wrong. And there's going to be huge consequences for his not listening. Like, um, like Nabal, do you sometimes struggle with pride like this? Do you sometimes feel like you have a firm understanding of everything going on around you. I know I feel like that sometimes. When you see conflicts going on in this world, are you quick to make judgments about those conflicts? And are you quick to make judgments about those people in those conflicts? When you develop particular views about certain subjects, are you quick to listen to other people and their views as well? Are you closed-minded to other views? James... 119-20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, and slow to anger, for anger does not produce the righteousness of God. James says here, we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Rather than think you know everything and speak and make quick and harsh judgments, he said we should be quick to listen to people. James is not saying here, you're only to be listeners. You're only to show love and passion and listen to people. And you never, you never show harsh judgments. He's not saying that. He's just saying being slow to anger. Be wise. Listen to people first before you just fall off the handle in anger. He's saying be slow to anger and quick to listen. God wants us to speak and show our anger if we have to from knowledge and understanding. We need to be quick to listen to people and really listen to them. Don't just patiently... Yeah, Have you ever just like somebody's trying to tell you something you're like, uh-huh, 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 and you're waiting for them to stop so you can say what you think? That's not listening. That's not listening to someone. We need to be quick to listen to wise counsel of others. Nabal should have listened to his shepherds. They knew exactly what's going on. He didn't even consult them. We need to listen to wise counsel. 
We need to listen to the wise counsel God's put around us. We need to listen to God through His Word. We need to listen. Even God's Spirit speaks to us. If we will pray over His Word, it will guide you in God's Word. God is speaking to us and He's put all kinds of voices around you. Is pride in Nabal's not listening? Is that the only problem Nabal has here today? No, I think we can also see another sin going on and that's greed. Look at verse 11. Nabal says, Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I don't know where? I think we are seeing here the real reason why Nabal refuses to help David. It's not because David, he's making it sound like, oh, you guys are thieves. You're just rebellious, rebelling from your, you know, your master. That's not, I don't think that's really the thing going on. I think we see here the real thing going on and it's greed. Nabal uses this word, I am my, he uses it seven times in this one verse. I don't think David really cares if David's true. I don't think Nabal really cares if David's story is true or not. He simply doesn't want to give his bread, his water, his meat, which he has killed. He's, he, Nabal's all about me, 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 me. You can hear it in his voice there. What I believe is going on here, I think Nabal's trying to make himself feel better about himself, about what he's doing. He's, he's trying to make it, he's, what he's really doing, what's really going on in his heart is greed. But he's trying to deny that. He's trying to cover up his greed and say, no, I'm not being greedy. I'm just watching over, I'm, not, I'm being a good steward of my possessions. I'm not going to let this thief come along and take my possessions, my meat that I've made for my service, that I've killed, me, 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 me. He's covering his greed, his sin of greed, with a cloak of righteousness. Have you ever done that before? Is that something we sometimes struggle with? The sad thing is, I think I do this all the time, sometimes. You know, um, I see, you ever see these uh, the panhandlers up on the street corners? I never will give these guys money because I've read all the statistics about them. They, they've done studies on this. A lot of them have been offered jobs. They won't take the jobs. They just want the money. And they know they, they spend the money on other things. One person they saw a panhandler being t picked up in a nice car and taken to a nice house. They're just, you know, they abuse it. And, and if that's, the point here is not that you just need to trust people and give them money. What the point is here, don't take that as an excuse. I sometimes use that as, a, as, as an excuse not to be giving say, well, I'm not going to give because those people are going to abuse it. And that may be true, but I'm using that as an excuse to be stingy. Just because I don't give to them doesn't mean I don't give. I need to give. I need to be gracious with my money and give to those who are in need. I'm just like my mom. My mom was a frugal person. <laughs> we would not spend a penny on anything when I was growing up. We lived like paupers and my, my her mother lived like that. And I have that nature. It's hard for me to be gracious with my money sometimes. But God commands it. It's greed. He doesn't give us our money for ourselves. It's not for me, 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 me. It doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to Him. 
Nabal, we, sometimes I think we think um, this, these are small things. Oh, well, it's just a greed. You know, it's just my pride. These are not small sins. Nabal has caused a huge mess um, out of his greed and his pride. Look at, uh, look at verse 13. Nabal says here, And David said to his men, Every man strap on your sword, and every man, and, and, and every man of them strapped on his sword, and David also strapped on his sword. And, and about 400 men went out with David while the hundred remained over the baggage. 200 remained at the baggage. David is not just coming here to punish Nabal. He's coming here to burn down his town. And he tells us later in verse 32 and 33, he's going to kill all the males that belong to Nabal. There are serious consequences for this sin. I think a lot of times we think these are small sins, but they're not. There are great consequences for sin. A lot of us don't like to read the Old Testament. We don't like to read these stories about God's wrath. We read about these war scenes. They're graphic. You see how Israel went into Canaan and they killed men, women, and children. It was horrific. We think, oh, I don't like that. That just seems ugly and unfair. It disturbs us. And you know what? It's supposed to disturb you. God wants it to disturb you. But, he, but don't be disturbed because it's unfair. That is what God thinks of sin. God commanded, He commanded Israel to do this. Remember when He told Saul, He says, go and kill all the Edomites. Kill their animals. Kill the women and the children. You're like, that's how bad their sin was to Him. This is what God, and that's not what God used to think a long time ago. This is what God thinks today. God still has the same standard today over our sins. Leviticus says, Do not make for yourself unclean by any of these things, and by all the nations I am driving out before you. And the land became unclean, so I punished the iniquity of the land, and, vomited, and it vomited out their inhabitants. Leviticus, he's telling them, he's saying, here's what they are like. Who can save? Nabal is in big trouble here. David is coming here, and it's not just David he needs to be afraid of, he needs to be afraid of God. Who can save Nabal and his family from this terrible wrath that is coming? Look at verses 18 through 24. It says, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared, and five, and five seeds of parched grain, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on donkeys. And she, said to her, and she said to her young men, Go on before me. Behold, I will come after you. But, but she did not tell her husband Nabal. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from her donkey and fell down on her face before David. She fell on her feet and said, Oh, on me alone may, may the Lord, I'm sorry, my Lord be the guilt. Abigail to the rescue. Abigail is, she is a, Abigail, this is um, Nabal's beautiful wife. 
And she is a beautiful picture of how Christ saves us from the wrath of God. There are two things Abigail does to appease David's wrath. In verses 20-34, she, she, um, she takes Nabal's guilt on himself. She, she jumps off her ship. When she sees David coming down, she jumps off and bows before him and she says, let this guilt be on me. I know Nabal's done all this, but let it be on me. She is being a substitute for Nabal and her family. The other thing she does is in verse 18-19, she makes all this food. She prepares all this food that David asked for in the first place that Nabal should have done. She starts preparing all this food, tons of food, and she puts it on the donkeys and she sends them ahead of him. It's not just that she's taking on the guilt of Nabal. She's also doing what he should have done in the first place. There are salvation from God's wrath. Is, a lot of times we think it's just about Jesus' death on the cross. It's Him paying for our crimes. His suffering, you know, being, His suffering judgment in our place. That is a huge part of it. But that's not the only part of it. He also fulfilled God's righteous law requirements. He doesn't just pay for our sins, what we did wrong. He also does what we should have done. We call, we call this the great exchange. When Jesus died on the cross, He takes our sinfulness, the penalties for our sinfulness, on Himself. He fills the full wrath of God. And then He takes His righteousness, His perfection. He's done everything that God has asked from His law. And He gives us his righteousness. And we get all the blessings that come with that. That is salvation in Christ. That is what Abigail is doing here for her husband. Abigail is a beautiful picture of the gospel of her for, to her family. And I don't just think this is a unique characteristic of Abigail. I think this is a common characteristic we see in a lot of women. And I want to be careful as I make this application. I'm not, I'm not trying to put Abigail and women and our wives on a pedestal and say they're like superheroes. You know, we are all just like Nabal. We're sinners. But I think there's something unique. There's a gift that a lot of women have that men don't. Look at verse 3 says here, now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was, was discerning and beautiful and the man was harsh and badly behaved. Does that sound a little bit familiar? <laughs> like maybe the typical way men can sometimes be? I'm not saying that's how we always, but that's kind of I think that's sometimes our natures. If you don't think so, go visit the men and women's um, prison sometimes. It's a big difference. <laughs> Just go look at the men. You can see that they struggle more with these dark and demented sins. And women, is, they, yes, they have their sins. And yes, there are, the, there are great consequences, but it's different. It really is. I think God has gifted women with unique gifts of purity and discernment that men just don't have naturally. We have to work for it, but I think it comes a lot more natural for women. David even says, look at verse 32 and 33. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discernment 
And blessed be you who have kept this day me from blood guilt because I was going to slaughter all of you. All of your, all the men in your family. There wasn't going to be any male servants left to, to Nabal. How many, women, how many times have y'all been like Abigail and saved your husband's butts from the fire? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry about the crude language here, but when I, I can think of a dozen times when me and my family are about to do something very stupid and Helen is like a voice of reason and rationality and common sense. Every one of us has probably got stories where our wives are like, don't do that. You're crazy. Every one of us men can tell us stories like that. We are blessed. That's why God has given us Abigails and beautiful wives and women are this beautiful picture in this dark world that men sometimes can't do. And it's not giving glory to women, it's giving glory to God. He has gifted them with this. Where would we be without the women in this world and without our wives? Abigail, it's because of Abigail she appeases the wrath of David. When Ephesians 5 says husbands and wives are a picture of Christ in the church, it, we oftentimes think, oh, the husband's Christ and the wife's the church. It's not always that way. It's the husband and wife that are united today. They come together and they together paint a picture of Christ. There's both elements. Sometimes the man, there's these masculine elements of, of, um, that they portray of God. You can see you know, these masculine characteristics of God. But there's these beautiful feminine characteristics of God too that only women sometimes can portray. And we're seeing today a powerful and important picture. There's this discernment in Abigail. She's seen her husband. She doesn't even blink an eye when she hears her servants tell the story. She doesn't like, oh, I don't believe you guys. She's like, I know he's telling the truth. I know these guys. And she gets all this food made up and she gets on this donkey and she rides out. She's discerning. She's intelligent. Women, guard your purity. I believe Satan is on the warpath. One of the biggest ways he can attack the church is by attacking you. I can see how he uses Hollywood to push women into these new areas of sexual immorality. I remember as a youth pastor, I had kids in my youth group, this one guy, this girl was texting him pictures of herself without her, her top on. And I'm like, I've never seen this. It's not normal for girls to do that, but I feel like we're, we're being pushed into this. And as the church, I, I think as women, as they fall, is this natural purity that they used to have and discernment and wisdom, as this falls and degrades, the family will suffer and the church will suffer. This beautiful picture of the gospel will not be going out like it normally does. Guard your purity. Keep restraining the people around you. We need this. Use your wisdom and intuition to point people to Christ. It's not you that we need. It's what you're pointing us to. It's Christ. Every one of us are like Nabals. We have these sinful natures. And we need pictures of Christ. We need to seek the wise counsel around us. We need to seek God's Word. And we need to see it in all these tools that God's given to show us Christ. We thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To request your copy of the podcast or for more information about our church, go to fpcwestmemphis.com or feel free to call our office at 870-735-1490.